0: Hello, Purgers, and welcome to the Pop Culture Theologians. Uh, This is Marcy, and this is only one half of the Pop Culture Theologians this week. Um, John is actually out with Get Out the Vote. um, So he'll be joining us for the next episode, which we're going to actually kind of do like a mega episode um, that will break down parts of nine that John definitely wants to comment on, and then the finale. But we didn't want to let you guys go an entire week without um, us kind of weighing in on episode nine. So you're with me this week. Uh, So, hello. (laughs) We are the Pop Culture Theologians. Um, We are hosted on the Engaged Gaze, uh, which is engagedgaze.com. And a shout out to our sister podcast, The Bible Bitches, um, which you can find them on the Engaged Gaze as well. Um, If you want to follow us on Twitter, it's the pop culture theologians. So at pop theologians, um, if you want to follow me, I'm at, at I am the men who can, which is a reference to wonder woman. And John is Jay Erickson 85 because he's a super basic bitch. So come find us online, interact with us. We interact with the actors usually on the day the episode airs. So come find us. So What the fuck happened this week is usually what John would ask me right now. And there's a lot that happened, um, but I want to keep it really short. So HBO (laughs) had to call out the president because he put out a Game of Thrones meme to talk about the Iran sanctions. And I really want to laugh at this. It's so bananas, like it's so bananas um, that we are treating foreign policy like a meme. And again, we have a reality TV asshole president, so who's to say this isn't where our foreign policy is going? I just, yeah, this is crazy. Um, The second thing I wanted to talk about this week is I just went to Halloween Horror Nights uh, in Orlando, and it was so fucking good. Um, Every year I'm like, you know, like I feel like I've seen it and done it all. I've been going um, with my husband for like ever because we're very old. And I'm always like, you know, this is probably my last year and this year, the, the highlight, so they usually have like five for people who have never gone. They usually have five houses, four to five houses that are based off of, um, super famous movies or stuff like that. It's usually licensed material for the year. And then there's five that like, Hall- like Halloween Horror Nights decides to work with what props they've got and create these houses. And I'll be honest with you, it was one of my favorite years. I tend to do a, a house rating. So there were 10 houses this year, and I would say that nine of them were scary. Uh, one was fucking terrifying. <laughs> um, I guess the first one I should give a shout out to was the Blum House. Uh, so um, every year, they've for the last like, five years, there's been some homage to The Purge, right? I remember when I lived in LA, um, Oh, by the way, Halloween Horror Nights in LA also has a terror tram because they have the studio tour, which is great if you live down there. Um, But when I lived in LA, the first time we saw the Purge pop up was like a sector. And so these sectors are are where you walk around to get to these like mazes, houses. Um, And then two years later, it was the terror it was the purge terror tram which was amazing so within 2 years the purge had become enough of a cultural hit that they moved it into their prime spot here um the so last couple of years there's there's been a purge house this year there was a blumhouse house um and they're they're the production company behind the purge and and it was great it was with um happy death day so it was a combined house um but it it was just great it it was a lot of political terror which was you know i i joked around with people at work like going to halloween horror nights not because i expect to be scared but because i seriously have like rage screaming to get out so like i would like turn a corner and there was like a completely unjustifiable scream i would let out and like there's no actors there's no one but it was like no one was going to judge me for getting it out so it was great um, the Stranger Things house was absolutely beautiful. Um, I just heard that Orlando is actually going to extend the Stranger Things house for just patrons of, of Universal Studios for a couple weeks because it's been so popular. Um, and the Poltergeist house was great. Um, but there was this like haunted hotel that, <laughs> that was like zombies, not hotel, hospital that was like zombies. And it was the first time I was in line and Um, and the the staff was like, be very careful. You're not going to be able to see anything. And, um, look, these houses are always dark, but I've never been warned that it is a blackout house. And this was absolutely a blackout house. I would say you could only see 20% of the time. So imagine navigating through darkness and then a flash of light and you see horrifying things coming at you. And then the lights go out. That was this house. It was was fucking amazing. I like, I was so scared. Um, it's always great to see my younger brother get scared. And I mean, the man was a mess in that house. So it was great. Um, so keeping it real short with three things. The third one is an obvious fucking thing. Go vote. Seriously, go vote. Um, Today was the last day because um, we're recording this on Sunday because John and I have been so busy with um, efforts on the ground, but we definitely wanted to get this to you. Um, today was the last day to vote um, early voting, but Tuesday's coming up, y'all. And this is a, a really important time in our identity as Americans and like, in, in our identity as people who believe in the greater good and who believe in democracy. Um, I don't care if you agree with me. I I, I don't. Um, I mean, I do. I would like us to build bridges. Um, but I'm not here to evangelize anyone. We've been very open since the beginning. Like, these are our views. We believe this is a really dark time. That's the reason we chose the purge. Um, but if you agree with me, if you don't agree with me, the most important thing we do as citizens is vote. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Like, politics is shit. And politicians on every side are shit. But... That's the system we have, and right now we have a chance to send a really strong message that hate speech and marginalization and violence um, are not things that pay off for shitty politicians. Like, if you're gonna take lobby money and if you're gonna do a bunch of stuff, I'm really gonna push for it to be for healthcare and criminal like justice reform and women's rights and black lives. Overarchingly, queer lives. Like, if you're going to take money, I'm just I'm going to push for it to be a more fair and just um, like number of causes that you are backing. But go vote, go vote, go vote. Por favor, vayan y voten. Si vous plaît, allez le vote. I don't have a lot more left. So with <laughs> with that, please go vote. Um, let's dive into a recap of the episode. This is your emergency broadcast system announcing the commencement of the annual purge sanctioned by the U.S. government. Weapons of class 4 and lower have been authorized for use during the purge. All other weapons are restricted. Government officials of ranking 10 have been granted immunity from the purge and shall not be harmed. Commencing at the siren, any and all crime, including murder, will be legal for 12 continuous hours. Police, fire, and emergency medical services will be unavailable until tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. when the purge concludes. Blessed be our new founding fathers and America, a nation reborn. May God be with you all. All right. So we open up with Pete the Cop, right, taking in the girls from the bus um, as Miguel prepares to go and find Penelope. The most eternal storyline of these like fucking 10 episodes. Um Though I have to say, my brother would totally confine me in the purge. And so I'm not gonna belittle it too much because. If and when the time comes, John Paul, you need to seriously look for me until you find me. Like, do not leave me out there with this vigilante. Um, so, you know, Pete asks Miguel to trust him and he wants them to tackle this shit together, right? And so we get a montage that I thought was really interesting. So we transitioned from this like Pete the cop um, and Miguel to a montage of like the shots of like the Constitution and our founding fathers with this Purge Rush Limbaugh we've been hearing over and over again in every episode, kind of playing over it. And um purge rush limbaugh says that Purge Night is to finish what Washington and Jefferson started, right? So like the founding fathers wanted to finish, and when they say founding fathers, they're definitely referring to the new founding fathers, that they wanted to finish what Washington and Jefferson started. Um, And it's interesting because when you look at the way that that um, purge Rush Limbaugh is talking, he's using fear and ridicule to get them like to act. So to get people like the vigilante to act, they're using fear, ridicule, like really perverse versions of masculinity. Right. Um, and I'm taken back to like our current issues with propaganda and toxic masculinity. Right. Um, if you haven't seen it, SNL had a really great skit this weekend about Fox news, uh, Laura Ingram and like, the propaganda that they're ramping up against the migrant caravan right and um and how you can almost see who they're targeting it's like beware your families they're coming you're gonna need to protect yourselves that's guns um and then they're like you know they're just like invading it's like an invasion which is a dehumanization tactic like um i don't know if you guys have ever seen district nine it's one of my favorite movies if you haven't go seen it go see it but um, the way they refer to alien invaders in District 9 is as cockroaches, right? The cockroaches have invaded South Africa. Um, and that's a very... So I remember the first time I watched District 9 thinking this is, this is one, one, uh, one of the most beautiful sci-fi films I've ever seen. Two, this is a movie not about aliens. This is a movie about refugees. And it is also a nod... To the dehumanization of jews during uh world war ii so the 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 use of invasion they're coming like we're infested um that's the same thing we get from purge rush limbaugh and so it's interesting again this is not filming live like week by week like the writers of this show knew that this was coming, right? They could tell the undertones uh, of everything that we have seen kind of rise up in the last six months were there. And I, I again, give a nod to that being extremely smart writing. Um, so we then transition to the vigilante, Joe, and y'all know how I feel about Joe. I can't stand Joe. <laughs> but we, we get this like, image real quick of like an auditorium um and it's okay first time i saw it i was like are they in a church and that wouldn't have surprised me because if you remember um in the third purge movie they purge in churches and that's that's a very purposeful image that we've talked about before of connecting white supremacy toxic masculinity with our american identity uh as christians right Uh, overarchingly white cisgendered identity so I want to make that clear but the reality is the U.S. has a theocracy problem and that's what we're talking about right Um, so we get this this image right we get this image of this auditorium pulpit and we realize that every single one of the people vigilante joe has grabbed um so penelope jane rick and jenna um he they all know him right um and it's interesting because he he isn't memorable for some of them right so penelope looks dejected and a bit confused uh jane looks really pissed and then rick and jenna um i think rick is scared for the first time, I've seen like a real fear, right? Because um, Rick stands up to, to vigilante Joe and he actually gets electrocuted. So, and then and then we get something that I think we've been building up to since the beginning of this season. And it's Joe's monologue. Um, and shout out to the white dudes who love to monologue. Uh, it's, it's a trend uh, on, in our political like dialogue. It's a trend for any woman who's ever been on a date Um, but Joe says, you know, you're all here because you've wronged me. And as an American, it's my right to rid myself of you, to like purge myself of you. And then he says they will be placed on trial, right? A trial of what? Because Joe has no jury. So Joe is judge, jury, like executioner, but they will be placed on trial. And if their confession is compelling, he will exercise mercy. Um, and I'm going to... I'm going to say mercy is like a very loaded term from someone who's got you locked in a cage who's going to murder you. Um, But it's interesting because Joe keeps referring to um, bloodshed as something that brings rebirth. And this is a very Christian idea, right? Like the crucifixion in and of itself is, um, and for those who didn't grow up Catholic, like, um, I understand that you guys have like a much more cleansed version of the crucifixion, but like having grown up Catholic, like, like my crucifixes were like the most contorted, like they were like the exorcism of Emily Rose poses. It was just so dark, right? And like bleeding, um, Like nail holes and stuff. So I connect this idea of bloodshed equaling rebirth to a very Christian idea of redemption. And like the fact that redemption would need to be violent and would need to be um, something that takes instead of something that gives. So so Joe is ready to put these people on trial. And the first person to go is this bearded dude, right? And um, he looks confused to be there. Uh, but we find out from a flashback that he was a high school bully who bullied vigilante Joe, um, even made him pee himself, uh, in front of people at school and also made his dad. So made Joe's dad think he was like, uh, a smaller than the normal dude. Like he couldn't even handle a fucking bully. Right. And I do want to highlight that when Joe is, is kind of presenting the case against, um, this bearded dude, Um, Joe is backlit behind a podium and all you see is light. And two interesting things about that. That's a very Nazi image. Uh, Hitler had tons of images where it was his silhouette against the podium. But I don't know if you all saw, there was an image very similar that was released this week um, of President Trump in um, Pittsburgh that was backlit. And he, I mean, he looks like fucking Penguin from Batman. He doesn't look like anyone worth like remembering from history, but it's the same treatment. Um, so that, that stood out to me. Um, and then while this trial is happening, Jane is talking to the people that I'm going to call the cagers. She's talking to the cagers and telling them they need to put up a fight. Like the, the idea that they're going to go to trial to Jane is ridiculous, which means again, the old Jane is dead. Remember, this is a woman who super believed in legalism. Like and to a and certain extent, believed in rules and laws, and and I'm pretty sure Jane's been burned enough that she doesn't believe some white dude's justice is going to ever do her justice, right? So then we transition back to Miguel and Pete, and they are driving towards um, towards uh, vigilante Joe's house. They do have like they went through footage, and they were able to figure out who he was they don't know he's at the school, but they're going to go to his house. Right. And then they run into a blockade. Um, and I thought the blockade was like, we're just like a bunch of purge hooligans. Um, which is such a great name for all these folks that are dressed so awesome in the purge. Um, they run into this like blockade and the blockade demands a toll payment or you get purged. And then there's these whispers of like, Oh shit, it's Pete the cop. It's Pete the cop. It's Pete the cop. And, um, And we find out that Pete is almost like an urban legend locally, and they're not allowed to purge him. They're not allowed to touch him. Um, Even though some folks seem pretty pissed off about that. Um, So they get through this blockade and they go forward um, towards Vigilante Joe's house. And then we bounce right back. Again, like we've lost storylines here because so many converge. So it did feel a bit like a bouncing back and forth between these storylines. Um, but we bounce back to vigilante Joe with his high school bully. And the bully now is like, yeah, no, no, no. I remember you. I remember you, Joey. And we get a flashback that the bully actually came from a super broken home. He, uh, or it wasn't a flashback. He's just saying it almost because, uh, Joe had said they could defend themselves. So he came from a broken home. He wasn't smart. Um, and he regrets taking his anger out on Joey, but then he says, but bro, like I've been on the streets for years. This is a homeless man. He goes, maybe I got what I deserve. And in my head, I'm like, seriously, vigilante Joe, like you went out to find a homeless dude. Like, I think like justice has been served. Right. Um, And so Joe, you know, tells him that he feels better after they've talked and brings him in for a hug. And you're like, wait, is like justice going to be served? No, dude. (laughs) Vigilante Joe stabs the bully straight in the heart. And I think this is when all of the cagers and us viewers find out that this vigilante mercy is bullshit too, right? So I guess his mercy was that he wasn't going to pick his skin off his face, right? But like a death is a death. Um... And that that I mean, like that is what it is, so the next cager that gets brought up, we remember from the episode where we get some background that like Joe is from an older industrial city, and his plant was closed, and he's like the average white Joe that is very angry right now, like I'm like Joe is only missing the red hat, right, so Eileen is the your plant is closed, woman. She's the one who was behind the gate when that um, scene played out a couple of episodes earlier. Um, so she actually makes a run for it when he opens the cage door and is shot by booby traps. So there's no way in or out of this building without Joe is what we find out. And Joe, like, very ominous says, you cannot run from my justice. Um, and he says, and Jane, you're next. Um, which is what we were expecting. Like I, I, I keep saying I've, I've been right. Um, I swear (laughs) there's some humility in me, just not when it comes to the verge. Um, so it's interesting that the first one to go up is Jane. Um, because I've been saying from the beginning, I'm not sure Jane makes it out of this. Right. But before we get to Jane, we bounce back to, uh, (laughs) <laughs> like are like cop comedy on the side, right? So Pete um, as they've gone through this blockade tells Miguel that back in the day, and this is so important and something that we've also hinted at a lot since we started recording, that back in the day cops, when the purge started took the purge as an opportunity to do vigilante justice, right? So like let's just say that who, who am I going to pull up from like my, all right. Um, even though now it's like definitely, um, I, uh, uh, I was going to go with making a murder as an example, but I'm watching season two and I don't feel as sure as I did season one, which is the problem with those shows and the problem with like armchair detectives. Um, so let's make up a fake one. Let's just say there's a dude who's a serial killer in your neighborhood. Um, and yet the cops accidentally tainted evidence, right? Uh, you could go through the whole process of, like, a 12-year trial, right? Or you wait till purge night and you purge the fuck out of him and that's, that's done, right? Um, that's vigilante justice, but that also makes sense in the world of The Purge, right, where um, we're seeing, like, huge issues of white supremacy. So he, Pete apparently stopped cops from doing this. He was a clean cop, and so he became an urban myth on the streets, and apparently cops were not very happy with him. Right. So we get a sense that from the beginning, our institutions of power, politics, politicians, our branches of government, and our law enforcement were all in on the purge. Um, and that's important because I think that's a critique of currently our institutions of power are upholding systems of white supremacy and oppression. And You can't beat these systems without acknowledging that the system isn't, this is something that we say a lot in the work that I do. The system is not broken. We hear that a lot, right? Like the system is broken. The incarceration system is broken. Um, The voting system is broken. No, And, and stop saying that. No, it's not. It's functioning exactly as it was intended, which is why we have to break it and start from scratch. Like to go Game of Thrones on y'all. I don't want to get on the wheel. I don't want to be a spoke on the wheel. I want to break the fucking wheel. Um, so, so we see that Pete realizes he's on a wheel and he doesn't want to be on it. Um, so Pete becomes an urban myth and, and, and those are important in our psyche as people who resist, right. Um, but they also become antagonists to people who are on the other side. So that's definitely a bit of a a red flag, like a sign to us that Pete's actually not safe on the streets depending on who he's running into. So then we bounce back to uh, the the cagers and vigilante Joe. um, And Jenna keeps asking Rick if there's anything he's keeping from her because she can't figure out why they're in the cage, right? And I think this, I'm hoping this isn't a sign of what's to come, um, but is it possible that Rick Rick knows exactly why he's there and Jenna does not? Yeah, for sure. Like at this point, for sure. And I called it last episode that I'm not sure Rick makes it out of this, but um, shout out to John he looks so cute in his shirt and he seems to really be atoning for everything he's done that i'm like oh rick you know i've been a bitch to you this entire season maybe i do kind of want you to get through uh but we'll see and so then we get jane in the chair up for her uh her trial with vigilante joe vig joe um so i thought this was actually a nod to allison earlier purging over a bad date so we find out that gene and vigilante joe went on a date (laughs) and it seriously did not go well um one of the things he drops while doing the awkward like small talk thing on his date is he drops that he does security systems so here's stanton security systems again um but what's interesting is he's, like, he mentions that he had been at the plant that was, like, like, let go and shut down. And Jane's, like, oh, that was so awful. And he was, like, yeah, well, the Mexicans took our jobs. And, like, that's, like, your first, like, ding, right? This is, like, a night. This is a date from hell. Like, a date from hell. And then he does something that, like, okay, he keeps reaching onto her plate to take food. I'm not saying that's worse than the racism, but fuck, man, that's so gross. (laughs) They don't know each other. Don't on a first date reach over and be pulling food from my plate. Oh, I felt like Joey on Friends. I was like, Joey does not share food. Like, stop it. But the main thing we get is that Joe has a bit of a problem with racism. Uh, shocker and misogyny. So he says something, again, if you don't know what microaggressions are, they're the small day-to-day aggressions that marginalized folks, um, experience. Uh, so, um, so we start to see Joe hand these off, like they're free, which they are from assholes. Um, he says, you know, you seem so smart, but like, I was worried you would be loud and sassy, which is such a dig at, uh, like a black woman. Um, and the stereotype of like the angry black woman. Um, then he asks her like where she wants to went to school, and she's like, I went to Warden, and then he's like super surprised. And then he drops this bombshell. Yeah, like it it must be nice to have been like helped by affirmative action. <laughs> and there I finally kind of get the full vision that the purge people were going for without really knowing what they were going for was going to turn into reality. Joe is white male 2018 fucking hates affirmative action, hates educated women, hates Mexicans. Like, it's exhausting to watch this on screen because it's our real life, right? So while this is critique, it's not nuanced critique. Um, My friend Nico actually was like, I think the reason you like The Purge is because there's no nuance whatsoever. It's just handing you what it's trying to say. And I'm gonna be real honest, maybe, maybe. Is this highbrow? No, no, it's not. But I didn't come for highbrow. I came for an hour where the TV looks back at me and is like, I feel you. Like, I feel you. And this episode had issues. I think there were multiple times that Jane um, and the cagers could have gotten out and didn't, or could have attacked Joe and didn't. And a, a little bit is on the nose, but I don't I don't necessarily need it to be more than that because that's not what I came for. Right. So, um, I did love that Jane got a really fucking serious dig in on vigilante Joe because (laughs) when she's kind of disgusted by his comments, she, he goes, Oh, sorry, you got offended. Um, which again, seriously stop it with that shit. Um, and Jane goes, yeah, well, you looked much younger in your photo and joe is kind of like yeah well it's the only good photo i have if we're playing by those rules and if i was ever on on bumble tinder whatever it was my cutest photo is from when i was like six so that would just be like it doesn't make any sense to use an old to feel so entitled to date that you would use an old photo and be like how dare you because i look good there like you don't look good you don't look good now vigilante joe um and he kind of in, implies that because women are, this is where the incel undertones come in. He's kind of like because women are so picky, and um, and women are women. He felt like he had to put that picture up. Um, uh, I I really feel for her in this moment, right? Because what do you do when you're on a date with like a like I don't, I don't do online dating. I remember I got married during the little house on the Prairie age. Um, but what do you do if you show up to like a Tinder or a Bumble date and it's literally like what they really masked who they were on their profile. Like Jane decides to just really politely be like, I'm going to the bathroom, pay the bill and leave. I think that's super nice compared to stuff that like I can think of that I would do under these circumstances um I definitely wouldn't pay the bill uh cuz I didn't sign up to to dine with a maga piece of shit cell. um but she's you know sh- she's a great gal so she <laughs> pays the bill and leaves right uh the problem is that vigilante joe accuses jane of having humiliated him and judged him and this is one of the moments where i was like jane you could definitely pick up your chair and beat the shit out of this dude this old dude Um, but she doesn't. I think, I think part of that is bad writing y'all. But, um, the other part is I, so I have been furious enough and indignant enough that I feel almost like a paralysis where the only thing that is not paralyzed is my fucking sailor mouth. And she does rise in fury. It's just in her voice and eventually from her legs, because she's like, you know, am I really here because I didn't laugh enough at some insecure bros, racist jokes? Like, am I, is that why I'm here? And I think Jane reaches a point of serious exhaustion where she's like, no, like this cannot be why I'm here. Like this cannot be why I'm here. Um, so a little like backstory, why I related to this real hardcore um, when I was in my Catholic cult. Uh, so we had like really strict rules about like what was appropriate friends hang out, appropriate date hangouts and stuff like that. Um, because, you know, men were so fragile that if a woman even hung out for extra hour or gave them too tight a hug or wore the wrong shirt, uh, you could lead them down a path of sin. Or maybe you were just married now because they had seen too much. Um, but I was friends with this dude who was friends with my friends and we were friendly. That was it. Like that was, it. we were friendly. We hung out with our friends. Um, but when I expressed interest or he found out that his friend and I were speaking to each other it was not dating because that's not what you did it was just you would like look longingly at each other and then be like no no but when he found out that I was interested in someone else he wrote me this really strange letter um, that was like you know we hung out we've eaten together like pretty much like you owe me dating and it was one of the most surreal moments of my life because at that time with the mentality I had, I really felt guilty. Like I felt guilty that maybe I had led this dude on or that like something like, so I had missed something. 10 years later, as I've gotten older, um, like the the rage, I feel that some asshole felt entitled enough to shoot me a Gmail to be like, you owe me dating me. We've eaten together. We've laughed together. Like go fuck yourself. Seriously. Like, I, I still get ragey because how insecure are you how fucking borderline incel are you that you think that my presence and your mental gymnastics that now like now what like it was just really like for me the scene with jane reads very true cuz i've i've been there um i've been there it's like if you didn't give a dude a side hug and you gave him a frontal hug you were engaged in the group that i was in so Um, but yeah, like Jane rising in fury, I totally, totally get. Um, so she also says like, I don't owe you an explanation for why you were racist. Like, like that's not on me. The burden of explaining oppression is not on the oppressed. And I say this over and over and over and over again, like as a woman, it's not my job to explain misogyny to men. It's not. It's not my job to explain patriarchal structures and toxic masculinity. As a Latina, it is not my job to explain to you why this caravan bullshit, why children in cages, why the we're all rapist bullshit is, I'm not like, I don't even have words for it. Dehumanizing. I don't need to explain that to white people. Like black people do not need to explain to white people what racism is, right? Why BLM matters. And so when Jane's like, I don't owe you that. And then he like vigilante Joe's like oh the victim mentality which like solidarity to every minority group that's ever existed who has heard that from a white person because the only person who's a victim in that sentence is the person spewing that that type of hate right um, right so he he brings up Bobby Sheridan who we find out is the purge Rush Limbaugh well Bobby Sheridan says bootstraps strong like the usual talking points right. And then Jane tells him, grow the fuck up. (laughs) Like she literally says, you need to be an adult and grow up. Rejection happens, hurt happens, and we all move forward. Um, Which is not what you say to Vigilante Joe. But we'll get back to that because we're back with our cops um, who go to Vigilante Joe's house. Um, They find this like wall that is like a woe is me memorabilia wall that looks like something straight out of like a detective novel. And it's got everyone that he decided to put the cagers in the cages to make cagers. Um, it's just like a huge wall of self-pity and fragility. Um, and I heard someone refer to it as an Aria list. No dude, like Aria, every person on Aria's list in game of Thrones deserves to be there. Every person on vigilante Joe's list is just a person. (laughs) It's so ridiculous. Um, So they go upstairs and they actually find, well, there's this like weird thing where like Miguel has to like unbooby trap the house, which was, my suspension of belief is pretty good, but like I'm starting to get a little bit like, like Miguel's not a superhero, dude. He can't disarm a bomb in like three seconds. He can't do all this. But um, again, a little sloppy writing, but I'm going to let it go because this scene takes us up to vigilante joe's dad who's this pathetic uh, man in a bed who's dying who spews some hate but lets them know by accident that that vigilante joe's probably at the high school um and then as they're leaving to go towards the high school like miguel like looks like he wants to like purge this dude almost and pete's like dude he's like practically dead which burn burn to a racist motherfucker in a bed. So just be like, not just let him die. He's already dying. Like it was, it was a crueler than that um, sentence, but it was great. Um, So we go back to the cagers and interestingly enough, um, oh wait, before we go to the cagers, Miguel and Pete are going to the school, but then like a bazooka or something blows up their car, but they manage to jump out. Um, so they also have like Spider-Man senses. Again, trying to suspend my belief because I'm not particularly interested in Miguel or Pete the Cop. Um, but <laughs> now they have to walk to the school, uh, which lost us five minutes we probably really needed. But back to the back to the school, vigilante Joe spits out to the cagers. Jane is just like me. Jane, like, you know, Jane was gonna purge her boss. Right. And you can see on the faces of the cagers that like, they're horrified, like sit the fuck down, Jenna and Rick. What, what did y'all do to Lila? Like, I mean, let's all calm down and not like judge Jane too hard. But Jane looks at Vigilante Joe and She's like, you think I feel better after having purged? Like you, like, I don't feel better. Like I'm not a better person. And then she says something to Joe. She says, you are growing smaller and smaller and smaller by the minute. You're just a small person. And, um, that is every person I know that ascribes to this toxic putrid idea of power and masculinity. Like it doesn't make men bigger. It makes them smaller. The women who uphold it, I don't even see you. That's just the truth. Like it just shows fear, like fearful, fearful people. So, um, yeah. That's how I feel about it. Like I can make fun of the purge a lot, but this episode's hard to watch because these are the men that are potential danger, of all of us right now. And they're everywhere. Um, so I went to Florida state, um, for undergrad in Tallahassee, go Knowles! Um, if you've been watching the news, we had a shooting at a yoga studio, um, up in Tallahassee this week. And when it first broke, it was a little bit of a mishmash of reports, right? So this guy like came into a hot yoga studio and shot people. Then we come to find out he's like a very active incel online, um, which if you don't know what the incel movement is, like I'm so sorry to tell you all to look it up, but it's <laughs> it's not my responsibility to tell people what the incel movement is. Uh, but I'm on a podcast. So so the incel movement is like a very active, anti-women misogynistic breed of rhetoric that has taken hold in places online and now in person. Um, It started really kind of like on 4chan and Reddit, but um, one of the the main people that always comes to my mind, which is, um, it's actually one of the reasons I chose to write my dissertation on Handmaid's Tale and connect it to like modern anxiety and responses, is Elliot Rodger, the shooter for the Santa Barbara University shooting. Um, Elliot Roger left behind this huge manifesto that um, started off with a vision of the world he had where men would never have to interact with women. They could impregnate them from a distance um, because women wouldn't be able to turn them down anymore. And it would be a male only society. And the incel movement kind of takes hold of those ideas. They, they didn't start with Elliot Roger, he was an incel follower. Um, but it's this idea that women have become too empowered, have become too woman and that they, um, they live to hurt men, especially good men and that they need to be taken down. And so that's really like, I don't even have like, definitely Google it. But the guy who did the Tallahassee shooting was an incel and, um, these men are everywhere. And like now I've seen a big movement to call what happened in Tallahassee a hate crime because he purposely targeted a women's space and targeted women. Um, so Joe doesn't feel far removed for me. He doesn't feel like something that like lives in the purge universe. He feels like the dudes that like, I see kind of walking around me when I'm in places and I wonder if I'm safe, right? Am I safe in public spaces? Am I safe? Like, and I don't see that like as like some type of like, like fucking weirdo who's like no longer feeling safe going out. Like ask your friends who are like minority groups, marginalized, like how safe they actually feel right now in public spaces. And it's not, it's not a great feeling. So, um, so as, as not Jenna, as Jane is kind of dialoguing with him to grow up, we get a flashback, um, oh, and this is an important piece. When they were at Vigilante Joe's house, they found this spray that apparently is military grade. No fucking idea if this is a real thing. It doesn't seem like it. That if you spray it on someone, you can detect them for weeks. How? I don't know. Alien technology? Fuck if I know. But that's how he traced everyone. So over the past couple of weeks, he had sprayed this on them. That's how he could trace them. Um, but we get a flashback to Jenna and Rick walking around to buy a crib. And. Like, I'm not sure if that's what triggers Joe, but, but this conversation of Jenna and Rick talking about the crib with Joe behind them leads to Joe going into a restaurant and, uh, Penelope is apparently one of the girls that works at this restaurant. He opens a door for her and she doesn't say thank you because she's in a hurry and she doesn't see him. And that's literally why he sprayed the spray on her and decided to purge her. So... <laughs> Uh, so he accuses Penelope of being a taker because she, while well, she interrupts the Jane conversation to be like, I don't even fucking know you. I, you, she doesn't go here. Like, she's like, I don't know why I'm here. And we get a sense, you know, he is that dude. He is that incel. Like he opened a door for a woman. She didn't say thank you. Dead purge, purge. He also has a hatred for millennials, which look, I'm going to drop this, which I feel very strongly the boomer hatred for millennials is fucking guilt and shame. Your fucking generation screwed my generation over. I love my parents. I love like boomers individually, but co- collectively as a whole, you fucked my generation over, man. You had everything and you sold it for more money and you sold it to fuck us over. So when I see a boomer who's like, fuck millennials, like takers, takers, lazy takers, I'm like, I don't, woo, I don't have time for it. don't have time for it so suddenly jane attacks vigilante joe this this interaction with penelope combined with his interaction with her finally stirs her to like freak the fuck out and so she punches the shit out of joe um but then he grabs her by the neck like the pitiful man that he is and he chokes her to death dot 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 i'm gonna do the dot 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 because I'm not sure she's dead. Um, even though I've been saying I don't think Jane makes it out alive. But he chokes her to death. And then he looks at the cagers and he says he's gonna take out the trash. Jesus. He's gonna take out the trash and that Jenna and Rick are next. End credits. Um this felt like a first half of a final episode. So I would say episodes nine and ten work together. They're not meant to be staying separately. Um but that's where this episode ends. And so this is a huge homage is the wrong word, but this episode takes us to the heart of this season of the purge, which is white men are at the root of the danger in our society. And then look at the tentacles that stream from that. And if you're a white man listening to this um, and you are like, it's not me, then I'm not talking about you. And join us in resisting so that you're not represented here. Um, I, I'm married, like to, full disclosure, I'm married to a white man. I'm the whitest Hispanic you'll ever see. Um, but if I'm not talking about you, then I'm not talking about you. But join us in resisting because um, let's say Rick is a good guy and and my like, subtle hatred of him all season is unfounded. Rick, Rick needs to learn to resist not only for himself, but for everyone around him right um so i think the heart of the show is tackling what the purge world apparently sees as the scariest thing out there which is a, an uncontrolled misogynistic racist white dude and as many issues as this episode had i'm here for that that is extremely transgressive in 2018 and i can't imagine how you outdo that in a season two if there is a season two So to close, (laughs) um, did I have a purge of the week this week? Ugh, you know what? I don't want to purge anyone this week. I want y'all to vote, (laughs) go vote. Uh, we'll save my purge of the week for next week, but thank you so much for listening. I know it's different with just one person. Um, but I'm just, I'm super proud of the work John's doing on the ground y'all. So. Of course, we will be back uh, this week to cover the final episode. And like John said, we are definitely planning on continuing with the pop culture theologians. This was never intended to be a purge podcast. It was intended to be a podcast that um, talks about pop culture, specifically through the lens of shows that we are watching Um, so stay tuned. We have a lot coming up for you. We've got just to drop another nugget. Um, we've got some fantasy coming up for you guys, which is my hotspot. That's like, that's me, um, that and dystopian. Uh, so we can't wait to let you guys know what comes next. So we'll see you, uh, later this week. Don't forget to watch the final episode. It's Tuesday on USA. Um, We'll be tweeting it live. (laughs) It's going to be real weird. Actually, I'm not even going to promise we're tweeting it live um, because that is election night. So if you don't see us on Twitter, this is the one time you won't see us on Twitter. And that's because we are resisting motherfuckers and we're going to take this country back. If we don't, then we keep resisting and we keep going because that's how justice works. That's how the arc of justice works. So love y'all and happy purging.